You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome and good morning or afternoon, as it may be, uh, depending on where you're living in part of the country. And if it is afternoon by you, meaning noon, uh, then I might feel sorry for you because the weather there, I understand, is crazily cold. Uh, and if it's that's cold for you, it's probably just cold for your pets. Uh, I'm your host here for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's only, I should say, live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, you can reach us a number of easy ways. Take advantage of it because we're here for you. We're here for your pets. And the first, the easiest way is call us toll-free, 877-385-8882. You can also, if you're able to join us online right now, here we are on PetLifeRadio.com. You can click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, scroll down to the, the box where you get to join the conversation, and you will see a Google Hangouts link. And if you press on that link, it will actually join you here with me and our producer back in studio live and we can talk. You can, I mean, if you have a little, you know, you should have one of those little cameras on your computer. You can actually lift your pet up and show me what you're talking about, whether it's a mole or a bump or a skin problem or an ear problem or a gait, whatever the case may be. And uh, hopefully we can help you get through that as well. Once again, I want to thank sponsors for allowing us to be here with you. Kong, Kong Veterinary Products, great stuff. Uh, Elanco Lilly, makers of Comfortis and Trifexis, Save This Life Microchip, and of course, ProSense Pet Products. So anyway, uh, I'm glad you're here. And I wanted to, well, before we get into some cold weather tips, I mean, I was amazed. When you do a, a live show where you're actually going to be an expert on one of these news shows, they usually patch you in. So as I'm there waiting for my interview to start, I can hear local news, weather, et cetera. So this is, we did this for the Weather Channel. The first one I did this morning, quite early for me, 5.40 a.m. Thank you very much. My time, of course, 8.40 back east. Uh, that comes out of Atlanta. And then the second show I did was out of New York. And the show out of New York, we're talking, I mean, it was below zero last night. And with wind chill, it was 17 below zero. And that came up with an amazing statistic, something like if you are in zero temperature and the wind is at 50 knots, that is like 70 below zero. I mean, that, guys, is crazy. And then you wonder why we make such a big deal out of protecting our pets from the cold weather. Well, that's why. And there's a story I'm going to share with you a little bit. We'll probably talk after the break. That was really sad. But these are the things that can happen. So if you are in any of these climates they're talking about, and they, t- they predict it's going to be moving down to freezing rain down in the uh, south of the Northeast, so but in the, in the Midwest, North Carolina, actually in Atlanta and outside of Atlanta as well, you need to be very careful about the cold weather. Then as you move westward and it's sort of the center of the country, there too, you're going to have a lot of very cold weather. They say the Ohio Valley, of course, Michigan, Kansas, all those places, uh, just the Midwest is going to be freezing so if you're there and you're listening to us here on Pet Life Radio, make sure to take good care of your pets. Think of it this way. Anything you would use common sense to take care of your kids out there, you're going to take want to take care of your pets as well. A couple of things that I, I picked up in the news, and I, I kind of like to look at some of these websites that have a lot of pet and vet-related news. And here's one that I'm not surprised because I see it this way in my practice already, and that is that 57% of millennials. Now, the, you know, again, these are very loosely used terms, you know, boomers, they're the baby boomers back in the 50s, and they have now, they have um, the uh, millennials, 
And those are anyone born, they say, from the early 80s to sort of the mid, the early 2000s, the mid to early 2000s, like to, up to maybe 2004 or five. These are millennials. Well, 57% of millennials out there, and I have three of them in my house. Well, they're not in my house anymore because they've all moved out, but they fit the bill. And that is have pets. Now that, when you talk about American households in general, it's about 51%. So when these kids of yours are moving out, they are getting their own pets and they are truly treating them like their family. And the good news is for the welfare of these animals, they are spending their hard-earned dollars on their pets. So it's not like they're getting pets and just neglecting them. They're getting pets to take care of them. One of my sons, well, my son has two dogs. My other, my, one of my daughters has three cats and they are out on their own. And uh, it's great to see, but that is really happening. So if you are in this category, just you should feel good about knowing that you are in the majority now as far as pet owning households. And I think that's pretty cool. Another study came out. This was done at uh, University of Sussex in the UK and actually their psychology department. And, you know, the study of animal behavior, especially coming out of other countries, is really a big deal. It's called ethology, and that's a study of animal behavior. And they did a study in horses. Now, we talked about this in dogs way back. And any of us that live with dogs, we know this already. We know it intuitively. We know it just by living with them. But they found this in horses as well. And that is the ability of a horse to recognize facial expression on us. So they can actually look at you, look at expressions, look at your eyes, look at the face, the mouth, and they can recognize changes. And often they can actually tell what your emotion is based on your reaction with that same facial expression in the past. And I think that's fascinating. And again, any of us, uh, I'm sure any of you that know horses well and possibly have horses, live with horses, this is no brainer for you. You know this already. And again, I as a, a dog nut and have many dogs at home, I knew this as well. But I think it's so amazing now to see this in other animals that what amazes me is we are learning more and more about our animal friends as we are now taking that empirical data and proving it with science. And that's what's really cool. This is stuff that intuitively any of us knew, but we never could prove it. And now it's being proven. And it just amazes me how... You know, we talk about our sixth sense. You know, you've heard that a lot. We have our five senses. Then we have that hidden sixth sense. I honestly think, I think animals have 10 senses. I mean, they can pick stuff up that we had no idea that they can. And I don't think it's like a psychic ability, but they have, I mean, I heard stories and this is validated and I've heard many like this where a dog at home reacts a certain way whenever the husband, the male owner gets into his car and starts driving home from work, which is five miles away. And the dog starts acting bizarre. And it's not, it's not always exactly the same. It's not like he's reacting. He knows it's five o'clock. It is something. And his wife would call him in the car and says, are you on your way home? And he goes, yeah, I just left. And she can tell from the dog's behavior. That, guys, that's really amazing. And uh, am I surprised? No, not really. I think, I think that they have this sixth sense. I mean, think about it. The dogs that can you know, pick up sense of things like cancer in people, the pugs in China that are used to predict earthquakes. I mean, there are a lot of pretty strange things out there that we have learned that our dogs can do. So I love to hear it, but I can't tell you I'm not surprised. Another thing that, that I thought is good for any of you that live in a rabies area, and I know that when it comes to getting your rabies shots, you know, the rules have changed, the timing has changed, etc. However, it used to be that if a dog was bitten, and there was a suspicion that the, or even just exposed to a rabid animal, 
they would have to quarantine that dog or they would have to euthanize the dog. That's not good. So the new guidelines uh, out there are that if there is an exposure of a dog who's lapsed on its rabies vaccine, uh, all that has to be done now is to give the vaccine, give the booster right away, and the dog can be just under observation for a certain length of time, which is, I think, is a lot nicer than having to quarantine or, you know, God forbid, put the dog to sleep. So uh, those are, you know, pretty pretty cool things I uh, I picked up in the news. Had a very interesting case this week. It was actually it was a sad case, but we do a lot of rescue work, and this dog came in. It was basically off the streets of Mexico. I think it was uh, Tijuana, but it was a rescue dog. And then there's a woman down there who works with some of the rescue groups up here. And she tries to find these dogs that are going to be end up putting to sleep. They don't have, I mean, as bad as we are here sometimes having to put these animals to sleep, they are really much worse in some other parts of the world. And the overpopulation problem is a lot worse in many parts of the world. And I knew that firsthand when I did my spay-neuter health mission in Peru in the Amazon jungle a few years back. That in of itself is another story. But anyway, so we have this dog. It comes in. It looks healthy. It runs. It's running up to us in the in the waiting room. We do a little pre-anesthetic lab work. It's fine. Young dog. And we proceed to do the surgery. Well, surgery goes without a, a glitch. Back in the cage, the dog starts lying down on its side. And uh, when what happens is the endotracheal tube stays in typically until the dog is trying to sit up and start to chew on the tube. Obviously, you don't want them chewing, breaking the tube and then inhaling and getting stuck in the trachea. So the dog was swallowing. The dog was looking up at us and trying to get that tube out of the mouth. And we pull the tube. About four or five minutes later, we notice that the dog is really like almost like turning blue and having a tough time breathing. So we get him out. When we pick him up, the downside then becomes the upside as we lay him on a table, reintubate him and give him some oxygen. And he, he normalized fairly well, but not great. He was really having a tough time getting up. So we then turned him again every, you know, every few minutes and he had medication to help him breathe. And meanwhile, every time he was down on one side, he would literally go into like gasping fits. He could not breathe. And I, this is too weird. So we went ahead and we took an x-ray of his chest and he had one of the worst chests I have ever seen. He basically had what's called a diaphragmatic hernia. For how long he's had this hernia, I don't know. Probably for a really long time because he was had so well adapted to what little viable lung tissue he had at rest and at moderate play. So he probably had this for a long time. He was probably hit by a car at some point early in his life, tore the diaphragm. Well, anyway, his entire liver, his spleen, and some of his intestines were inside the chest. So when he lied down, on the side that had a little bit of viable lung, it was compressed because of his weight and then also be compressed because the liver on the upside now is obviously going with gravity and it's going to the downside, which is the side that had the viable chest and he could not breathe. And then we turned him over randomly. It made sense in hindsight after seeing it that when he was down the other way, the liver and the parts that were in his right side of his chest was the downside. Therefore, he was able to breathe a little more readily. Sad thing is with these rescues, this would, would have been a major disaster surgery. The dog was having such a rough go. And the, uh, the rescue group asked us to humanely say goodbye, which is what we did. But really sad. But it just goes to show you sometimes it's amazing how animals can adapt with some sort of physical handicap. I mean, typically, if we had as much lung in our chest, viable lung, as this dog had, we would be on a respirator all the time. And this dog just went through life like it was normal. 
I mean, it's a heck of a sad way to find out he had a problem. But um, anyway, as they see, these bad things can happen. Anyway, I want to take a quick break here on Pet Life Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back. And we'll just a word from our sponsors. And uh, we'll be back. I want to talk about some cold weather tips as you might be living in a very cold area. We'll be right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. I wanted to, uh, before we get uh, talking about some cold weather issues, I did get an email from one of our listeners, and um, I wanted to share it with you because it's something that I think people should know about and just be careful in general. And this is not about this particular product that we're going to talk about, but it just shows you that these things can happen to any pet at any time, hypersensitivities, allergies, etc. Hi, Dr. Jeff. Friday evening, I put, it's called the Seresto Collar, which is an excellent product, by the way, on my dog, Shmooey. By the time I came home from work on Saturday, half her face was swollen and she had hives all over her body. I'm confused by this reaction. I've used the other products in the past with no problems. Can you please talk about the difference in this collar compared to products like, like a Frontline? By the way, I gave Shmui some Zyrtec at 4 and then Benadryl at 11. Moved the collar, gave her bath, happy she is back to normal. So this is clearly a reaction. These drug companies are always looking for the next best agent that can kill, in this case, uh, ticks and fleas. The Seresto is really good for, uh, really good for ticks. And, um, you know, again, some animals are, can be, have a hypersensitivity. It's almost like we're not going to tell the world to stop eating shrimp because there are people out there that have anaphylactic reactions to shellfish. My dad, who had taken penicillin for years, was given penicillin for a small infection and ended up having an anaphylactic reaction to penicillin. He no longer obviously takes penicillin, but it's not necessarily the product's fault in the sense that we can never tell how an animal is going to react. 
And sometimes we give a vaccine, a vaccine, a life-saving vaccine. We have animals that react. So we put a note all over their chart, having a reaction, and we'll pre-treat them with possibly some Benadryl, maybe a little uh, cortisone, depending on what the reaction was, or uh, look for a, a different version of the vaccine. Sometimes when animals are allergic to things, it's not necessarily the active ingredient. In other words, this isn't, for example, in the case of a vaccine, it may not be the antigen, but it may be the vehicle that the antigen is delivered in, the liquid part of the vaccine that could be causing the problem. It could be one of the preservatives in the vaccine that could be causing the problem. So just because there's a reaction, it doesn't mean it's bad, but we have to learn from it. Obviously, my advice to Sarah and Smooey would be, obviously, don't use that collar anymore. Look for others or look for other modalities or go back to one of the products that's used in the past that were safe and effective. So, um, but anyway, I want to thank Sarah for um, writing us in. If you guys have any questions or any anything like this about your pet, please don't hesitate to send them in. Send them to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. They will be forwarded to me immediately and um, we can talk about it. Uh, if it's impending, I will often give you my cell phone. You can give me a call. We can talk about it as well. So anyway, let's talk for a second about the ice cold temperatures that are going on in many parts of the country right now. We did talk about this a few weeks back, but when you hear a story, as I heard this morning, you realize that it sometimes takes more than once to get these things embedded into your brains. But in Brooklyn, New York, some woman was out this morning for a walk. It was zero degrees or below, and she saw a dog curled up sitting on the ice. And she went over to him, and the dog was clearly cold and freezing. And she noticed that the dog's feet were literally stuck to the ice, and they were ice cold. She was able to get the feet off, took her to a a local emergency facility. The dog is doing fine, but they still don't know whether or not they may, and this is the sad part, have to amputate the feet, depending on how frostbitten they are. So this is really, really sad. So dogs, cats, or any animal, outdoor animal, yes, can suffer from frostbite, just like we can. As I mentioned before, smaller the animal, the larger the surface area in relation to their weight, the more heat they can potentially lose from their bodies into the outside environment, and they can actually get really cold. So if you have small pets, small dogs, cats, and they're going to be outside, I highly recommend you put them, uh, give them a sweater, put a jacket on them, something to keep them warm and keep them dry. Don't be fooled by coat length. Don't think that, well, God, my dog is a, a Samoyed, my dog is a Husky, my dog is a Malamute, you know, the big working sled dog type dogs. They don't need any extra coating. Well, that's not true because it all depends. On, it's all relative. It depends how much they're doing, how much activity, and how cold it is. And are they having shelter from wind? Remember, wind chill can decrease the temperature by a lot. So it increases the potential for freezing. So don't think just the cold weather dogs are enough to keep them warm. That's that coat. They need more than just that thick undercoat to keep them warm. Ice, you know, a lot of municipalities will put ice melting agents or salt on the ground. So the combination of just the ice itself, the cold, and the chemicals that may be put on the ground to help melt that ice are very irritating to your pet's feet. So go out and go to a pet store, look for some sort of paw protection. Uh, there are many companies out there that are putting products. There are some that are booties that slide on top. There's uh, paw protectors. You have paw savers, which are the pads. We talked about that on, on our show before. These pads, they fit right on the pad themselves with an adhesive, and it's sort of that thin layer of protection between the elements, the ice, and the actual pad. And pads, remember, even on dogs that are the Arctic breeds, pads don't have a lot of protection. There's no hair on a pad. 
So uh, keep that in mind. Other dangers, antifreeze. Antifreeze, uh, especially the older types, the, the more prevalent types out there, has a very, very sweet tasting agent in it, the ethylene glycol. It is highly toxic. It will shut down a dog or a cat's kidneys. So be very, very careful with ethylene glycol. And some of the companies now, the newer companies, are putting out antifreeze that they will add some sort of like a bitters to it. So it's like impregnated with a bitters solution. So it is no longer attractive to a dog or cat to lick. So when it's falling out of the car's radiator. So keep that in mind as well. Other element that concerns me, cats, outdoor cats. And I'm again, if you live in the city, I'm not a big fan of outdoor cats. I've said that a million times, but that's up to you. My cats, many of them are all indoors and they love it. But when cats look for warmth when they're at night, one of the places they'll do is they will go under a car, jump up on the hollow part, and they will find warmth on the top of an engine block, okay? And they fall asleep. The owner of the car gets in the car in the morning, starts the car up, freaks the cat out from its sleep. It tries to make a beeline and gets stuck in a fan belt. It is, first of all, it's a horrendous sight and even more horrendous sound. So if you live in an area and you see cats roaming around, do yourselves, do your poor cats a favor, the cat's parents a favor. As you approach your car, give a couple of bangs on the hood first and let that cat make its move before you start your engine. Also, things to keep in mind that dogs, cats, and any animal that is working to stay warm, generating body heat, they are exerting energy. And therefore, many animals, ourselves included, usually end up needing a little bit more caloric intake during the winter to help keep us warm. So keep that in mind that you might have to increase a, food, a dog's uh, or a cat's food ration during really intense cold weather like this. Uh, you'll have plenty of time to take it off come spring, and that goes for both of you. And also hydration. Hydration is very important as well. And don't be fooled by that big bowl of water that you put outside and you say to yourselves, okay, I got the shelter, right? The dog has a doghouse or it's got, I, I built something so it's protected from the wind. And I even maybe have a space heater, but water could still freeze. So it's very important to make sure they have plenty of water. There are devices out there like heated water bowls that will keep water from freezing. And um, I think that also is important to uh, keep that in mind as you leave your pets outside. As I said, the key is start to treat your pets as you would a child. You're not going to take your child outside in this type of freezing weather without the gloves, the muffler, the hat, the earmuffs, you name it. You know, the down jacket, the sweater under that, the thermals under that, etc. You know, I know from when I'm on a lift, the ski lift, when I'm out boarding, the coldest part is sitting on that lift. Why? Well, first of all, you're up high. Secondly, it's windy. And thirdly, you're just sitting. So you're not able to generate your body heat in that same cold temperature. Once you get moving down that hill, you don't feel the same cold because your body is generating heat. The worst thing is when you're standing or sitting, and that is no different for our pets. So yes, can a sled dog withstand really, really cold temperatures? You betcha. But when can they withstand it best? When they're pulling the sled, when they're working. And I think that uh, we need to keep that in mind. So anyway, keep your pets healthy. Keep them safe. For you, all you millennials out there, make sure you get pets. I don't want 57%. I want to see 65 or 70% out of you out there with pets and take good care of them. Uh, I will see you uh, next week. Hopefully, I'll be out of town, but I think we'll be able to set this up as a remote, as we've done in the past. So um, anyway, 
Uh, have a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll be back, hopefully, next week live here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.